Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity. This is episode 14 and I am Rachel Bowman here with my husband Jason Bowman and we're so excited to be back with you again and now we get to say happy Easter hallelujah. and we get to say yeah hallelujah hallelujah he is risen he is risen indeed and so we are just so excited to continue talking about the discernment of spirits which is based on the rules of discernment from Saint Ignatius of Loyola and so over the last few weeks, we have actually gotten through rules one through six of 14. We keep trying to say that we're going to do like more than one in each episode, but we yeah. don't we don't quite get there. Um, so this week we are going into rule seven. And so if you've been able to listen with us, we've been talking about rule five and six, which consider the person that's in desolation, but it's been talking about changes. Like rule five talked about the fact that you shouldn't make changes and then rule six talked about the fact that there are changes, good changes that you can make, um, mostly with perseverance and, and staying true. <clears throat> but rule seven continues talking about desolation, but it talks about it a bit differently. So now, now we have the opportunity to resist the desolation, not by action, but by thought. Right. <clears throat> so you want to read sure. rule seven? The seventh rule. Let one who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in trial in his natural powers, so that he may resist the various agitations and temptations of the enemy. Since he can resist with the divine help, which always remains with him, though he does not clearly feel it, for the Lord has taken away from him his great fervor, abundant love and intense grace leaving him however sufficient grace for eternal salvation so good it is good so do you have any thoughts based on that initial reading of the rule well so it's always consoling I think to remember that the Lord is all-powerful. Right. And that divine providence is real. And that even the mundane or subtle things in everyday life are not beyond his sight. And he is intimately involved in every little thing that we go through in our lives. Um, and his, he is love, and so his intentions are always good. And just like a father, you know, sometimes lets his son or children or daughter or whatever go through um, a hard time to teach, you know, so that they can grow from it, you know, so does the Lord for us. So um, I find it very comforting to know that. The trials that we go through in this life are actually opportunities for growing in holiness, you know. Right. It's so true. Um, 
that's definitely Father Gallagher says that there are three points to consider with this. And the first point is that the trial is permitted by God. If you look at the text of the rule, it says, um, consider how the Lord has left him in trial. Right. There's a difference between inflicting it on the person and permitting it to happen. Right, we have exactly. To, we have to specify that because I know some people would be like, well, the Lord doesn't ever, you know, it's impossible for him to do anything that would cause us harm. Um, and, but he does allow things to happen. You right. Know, it always makes them. me think of the story of Job. Right. Yeah, that's you know, perfect. Yeah, Where the enemy was searching and, and found Job and went to God to ask him for permission mm -hmm. to inflict trial upon him. Right. And the Lord allowed it. Right. It so. makes me think of the little flower to um, St. Therese um, when she said, I always get what I want because what I want is what he, whatever he gives me. Right. And, you know, she's even speaking of the various trials in her life. She can look at even like the sickness she went through and things as... Um, something that's been permitted by God to happen, and therefore she welcomes it, and it it becomes an opportunity of growth, um, a cross that she can bear. Right, exactly. Because, because ultimately, you know, the saints longed for the cross, you know? I mean, initially you see the, the early, just uh, right around the time of the apostles, like St. Ignatius of Antioch longing for martyrdom. Um, and I think as we grow in our love for Christ and, you know, we see him there in the crucifix and stuff, and we love him, we, we, we do long to share in his suffering. I mean, some, some saints have even been inflicted with the stigmata because they shared so much in that love and the desire to share in his... Um, suffering um, in certain cases, you know? Right. Mm. This actually is a really beautiful time. To, uh, Father Gallagher talked about Blessed Angela Feligno, and it was a recounting of an experience of deep and prolonged spiritual desolation that she had. And what she wrote was beautiful. She said, During this period, I was in a state of great stress, for it seemed to me that I felt nothing of God, and I also had the impression that I was abandoned by him, nor was I able to confess my sins. On the one hand, I thought that perhaps this had happened to me because of my pride, and on the other hand, I perceived so clearly the depths of my many sins that it did not seem that I could confess them with adequate contrition, or even so much as to say them. It seemed to me that there was no way in which I could bring them out in the open, nor could I even praise God or remain in prayer. It seemed to me that all that was left of God in me was the conviction that I had not suffered as many trials as I deserved. And similarly, that I did not want to fall away from his grace by sinning for all the good or evil or suffering that the world has to offer, nor did I want to assent to any evil. I was in this intense and terrible state of torment for more than four weeks. And so it has like that classic language of desolation. You know, I felt nothing. Mm -hmm. right. You know, I was abandoned by him. I couldn't praise him. I couldn't remain in prayer. All that was left of God in me was this intense, terrible state of torment. And she's a saint. And she's she's a blessed, yes, it's <laughs> <Our> amazing. Blessed. <laughs> it's amazing that, you know, she um, 
was able to <laughs> recount these things, you know, right. these very irrational feelings. And the fact that she felt like she couldn't confess. The enemy is so cunning, you know, he's going to lie to you that even something as beautiful as confessing your sins is, is futile. Right, right. And so Angela was in this, in this desolation for four weeks. Um, and now this, this, this rule actually gives the ability to transform a time of spiritual desolation into a time for growth. Right. And the big point in this rule, I think, that, that Ignatius is driving at is that just by knowing this rule, just by acknowledging it and then going through that mental process of, okay, I'm in a time of desolation right now. Let me consider this a time when the Lord is permitting me to go through it so that I can overcome it and then the next time I'll be able to resist it easier, you know, be able to um, become, um, what's the word, um, more fortified, you know, right. to, to grow in the virtue of fortitude. Because, I mean, I mean, anything that's worth, you know, anything really, it takes, it takes some stamina, you know. Love takes the, an act of the will. Right. And so we, we, in order for our love to grow, in order for our faith to grow, it has to be tested. It has to be, you have to go through these trials. And if we welcome them in that light, right, like in the light that the Lord has permitted it so that you I can grow. Yeah, that I can grow and I can grow closer to him because you know the Lord Jesus did not come to bear all the suffering, take our way our sins so that we didn't have to suffer too. In fact, you know, he tells us to take up our cross daily and follow him. You know, many times we don't understand why in this world God allows suffering. But the truth is that he's given us the answer. We just don't like it. Exactly. You know, look at the cross. And, and there, he also goes on to talk a little bit more about Angela. And this, he said that, you know, like there are three points. The first point is that the trial is permitted by God. The second point is the nature of the trial. And the third point is that there is divine purpose in allowing this trial to occur. And so we've really talked about one and three, but that middle one, the nature of the trial, is being able to examine what was taken away and what remained. And so in Blessed Angela's case, he talks about the fact that she's like, you know, I can't, I can't even confess my sins. Um, I can't praise God. I feel abandoned by him. I felt nothing of God. So she was able to say what was taken away, but she was also able to say what remained it seemed to me that all that was left of God in me was the conviction that I had not suffered as many trials as I deserved, that I did not want to fall away from his grace, nor did I want to assent to any evil. And so it's definitely a time to realize that a lot of your natural powers are still there, even though you're saying really irrational things or, or thinking really irrational things. The faithfulness of Christ and your ability to recall that with your mind yeah. 
is not gone. Yeah, I, I really liked um, what Father Gallagher said. Um, how, like in times of desolation, one thought that always comes to his mind is, I've been here before. Right. You know, and, and that certainly is true in my spiritual life where, I mean, at first, you know, I, um, during my initial conversion and stuff, you, when you go through times of desolation, you really <laughs> are in the dregs, you know, like this right. total despair, hopelessness, life is not worth living, you know, because... How did I get here? Yeah, Christ had become, you know, everything. And then when he feels distant and you feel... Yeah, I mean, there's just like you feel like a failure, like everything that you had experienced in your spiritual life was not real. Right. You know, and the devil tries to tell you like, nope, this is the real you. You know, you thought you were going somewhere. You thought somewhere. you were going to be holy. Nah. You thought you were going to love God. Yeah. Nope. You thought he loved you. But See, I told you. you right. Know, this is what he what The devil is really is like a, a second grader. He really. really is. He's a child. <laughs> 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 um, but as you persevere through, you know, multiple desolation and you keep praying, you keep, you know, um, taking the time out to spend with the Lord to go to mass to receive the sacraments, to go to confession and stuff. Then when, you know, desolation comes around, you can, you can, it's very subtle, but you can say, you know, I've been here before and you, you, learn how to turn towards the Lord a little bit more swiftly and easily and can persevere uh, without turning to hopelessness and confusion and just, right. you know, um, It's like a spiritual despair. muscle, you know? It really is, yeah. When you work out, you know, that whatever weight you might be at, and maybe it's the heaviest weight that you've ever lifted. The first kind of, couple of times that you lift it might be very difficult. Right. But the more that you not only correct your stance, correct your approach, correct your movement, um, how fast you might be doing your repetitions, eventually it becomes easier and then you're able to deal with a greater burden. And that the burden that weighed you down before is nothing in comparison to what what weight you're able to tackle yeah. in the gym after so that. True. Um, I really like weight room references. They always work hey, out really well. I mean, <laughs> I'm right with you on that. But he talks about the fact that, you know, it's you learn to resist better. Yeah. Just like the weight room <laughs> resistance of the heavy weight. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. This is a good analogy. But the more that you <laughs> practice that resistance the lighter that resistance will eventually become. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that they always say to do is to journal, you know, or to have that one confidant that you can look back with and you're like, you know, we can't even, t I can't tell you how many times Jason and I will be in desolation and we'll look at the other person and be like, you know, this is how I feel. And then the other person's like, we just did this. Like, yeah, you were just here a couple uh, months ago. We and know when each other's in desolation without even saying anything. Right. <laughs> We always look at each other and like, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> or we we are forthright and we're like, no, not okay right now. We Definitely just, in we, desolation. We just let each other act like children for a little bit and just understanding like, yeah, <laughs> desolation. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, and I've never acted like a child, so I don't know oh. what you might be referring no, to. No, I was talking about me. Okay. That, I mean, that's yeah. what I thought. 
But I just wanted to make sure that we said that out loud. Right. So that everyone could hear. Mm. I am always very mature. Mm. And humble. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Can I say something before we move on? I suppose. Yes. One thing that, uh, as I was praying to this rule before we started, that I wanted to bring up was the fact that um, a lot of these things, the rules that Ignatius talks about, in a way, they kind of assume that you're somewhat proficient at the spiritual life, at the interior life. Like, they can be applied right. to anybody, you know, even people who've really never gotten into prayer and those kind of things. But I will say that for the person who does take the time out regularly to pray and who seeks to have a deeper spiritual life, interior life, um, the more beneficial and the more clearly you understand these rules because these things that we talk about are really very subtle. Right. You know, I mean, these little changes in your spiritual life of desolation, um, it's almost like you, a type of seeing that you're blind at first and, and things become more clear the more you do it. Um, right. It's a... So I would encourage, you know, anybody who's listening to this all... Three of you. Um, there might be four. <laughs> to spend regular time in silence because that's really where the battlefield is for the interior life. You know, get a good book on the spiritual life or something that inspires you, like Jesus of Nazareth by Joseph Ratzinger. Or Did you forget for a second who wrote it? No. Okay. <laughs> I would never Sorry, he gave me first this of look. All, look. Go ahead. I would never forget <laughs> that, okay? Um, just whatever book, you know, and and sit in silence, read a little bit till something inspires you, and then What's some other books meditate. that have inspired you? Some other books? Oh, yeah. gosh, there's millions. How about... Um, millions. That was a little... Is that, is that an exaggeration? <laughs> um, Searching for and Maintaining Peace yeah. by Father Jacques Philippe. Oh, good one. Very is an excellent good. book. Time for God, especially in, in relationship to taking time for silence. You know and, what was an interior peace as well. Those are all Father Jacques Philippe books. Yeah, anything by him is perfect. It's pretty great. You know what was a good one for me was that book, Divine Intimacy. Mm. It's, it's by Father Gabriel something. I can't mm. remember his last name. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's a Carmelite and it's perfect because it gives you like an opening little antiphon or prayer and then a meditation and then it even gives you a um, colloquy which is like a um, a response like a prayer that's wrote and written for you okay um, do you use words like that in everyday life colloquy yeah I mean, um, only around people that I want, when I want to make them feel lower than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not giving someone like post-operation procedures and you're just like throwing out spiritual terms just for fun? Because uh, no. I don't think they call colloquies. I mean, that's not going to be anywhere else, right? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> I just want to know what your day-to-day -day life is like, okay? Um 
And then he also points out uh, Father Gallagher getting back to the role, honey. You got us completely off in left field. I think that was by yourself. I didn't do it. Um, He says that it's also important to remember that it says since he can resist because we have sufficient grace to do so. Right. And uh, and and to remember that the enemy also desires to have you forget. So anytime you're in desolation, he'll tell you, you know, like you've never been here before. You'll never get out of this. You'll never feel that way again. And the enemy begs you to forget, but we must remember. Yeah. And it is very hard because it's an act of faith, essentially, because you don't feel like right. the Lord is close um, many times, especially in the beginning um, of your walk uh, with the Lord. Yes. And I think we might even have like 10 minutes left talk about rule eight okay you want to do that we can start it we can so rule eight um i don't know if we're going to actually read the rule but i wanted to tell you about this woman elizabeth lesior i think i'm pretty sure i'm saying her name wrong right i don't know okay she's a married woman deep faith deep prayer and she describes several weeks of great interior struggle in her diary. This is from 1902. Cowardice, weakness, awkwardness in my demeanor with others, things that can harm the ideas I cherish, acute physical sufferings and deep moral suffering. In the midst of this, a will unshakably turned to God, a plenitude of confidence in him and love for him. Daily duties performed at whatever cost by great effort without fervor, but still performed. Then little by little, calm returning to me and divine strength penetrating me again, New and energetic resolutions, the hope that God will help me to do my duty, all my duty, that is the tale of these last weeks and my soul during this time. I love that. That sounds like my life. I know. I was going to ask if she was pregnant. Um, <laughs> I think she is a mother, right? Isn't she is she, a mother. She's a layperson. And it says that she, you know, they, they talk about the, this writing, that there's some clearly non-spiritual desolation there. There's physical and... Right. Emotional suffering, but there's also indications of spiritual desolation as well. Um, but she faces it with remarkable courage, you know, mm-hmm. yep. that she's able to give way to her affliction, but also remain faithful to God. Yeah. And then it says that a year later, she wrote again in 1903. More than two months in the dejection of almost continual physical suffering and with terrible anxiety on Juliet's account, the miserable belief that my illness will last as long as I do, always impeding my life. Complete resignation, but without joy or any inner consolation. The resolve to use my misfortunes for the goal, goal, uh, for the good of souls, to fill my life with prayer, work, and charity, to maintain serenity through everything. To love more than ever those who are the dear companions of my life. And so again, there's non-spiritual desolation. Mm-hmm. But it manifests, and there are, there are elements of spiritual desolation also here. And so in these two passages, Elizabeth shows a sublime way that the disposition most necessary if we would resist in time of desolation. So like a faithful patience, um, right. courage to persevere. And remembering that consolation will follow soon, right? Right. Yeah. And that this won't remain forever. Right. It makes me think of the giraffe that was pregnant. <laughs> I mean, if she was a person, 
there might have been some point when she was just like, this is going to be forever. I'm just going <laughs> to hold this baby giraffe in my womb forever. Never going to give birth. Had souls. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and all the world is watching me on social media, and I'm never going to give birth to this baby. That was pretty intense. <laughs> I don't <was>. know. <laughs> so <laughs> we did. We watched it. Yeah. I actually wasn't too into the whole pre-birth watching, you know. Right. I think I'd see it scroll through on Facebook and was just like, wow, we've moved on from eagles to the giraffe. Yeah. Um, there's also probably some poor soul out there right now trying to find the next animal that's pregnant that we're going to have to wait on. Um, but, yeah, totally reminds me of the giraffe. Sorry. But this also gives us a chance to go into the eighth rule. Let one who is in desolation work to be in patience, which is contrary to the vexations which come to him and let him think that he will soon be consoled, there diligently you know. using the means against such desolation, as is said in Rule 6. In Rule 6, it talks about much examination, prayer, turning, you know, yourself against the desolation by right. those means Meditation, we about. penance. Right. And so it's so important to remember that you will be consoled soon. You know, there's no way that it's going to last forever, you know. Right. And that Christ still loves you amidst all of that. And so that those kind of thoughts end up building patience within the desolation. Um, I definitely, throughout the day, I'm going, I can't wait to pray tonight. I mean, I mean that. You know, right. To have time and out there in the prayer room because I know that the Lord's going to meet me there and I'll feel... I'll feel consoled. Um, yeah, it makes me think of um, of the kids. Because, <laughs> you know, Jason and I, especially, you know, God willing, if, if diaconate formation starts, any time that we've left for the diaconate discernment days, we've said, you know, let's give them something to look forward to when we get back. The kiddos, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Because, you know, when their dad's home, mommy's just kind of cool. But daddy, when daddy's home, he's like the coolest on the planet. So um, so anytime that daddy has to be away on the weekends, um, the kids are always a little distraught. Gabriel especially because he's older, you know, gets a little sad. So it's it's been really nice to give them something to look forward to. Yeah, it is. The last couple of times, you know, like when we get back, we'll do whatever you want. Or when you get back, we'll go to... Right. Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. So <laughs> it's been really great to give them something to look forward to. But that something to look forward to is also offered to us as children of God. Yeah. And I mean that we are an Easter people, right? I mean right. Christ and is Alleluia our Right, and Alleluia is our song. Yeah. The, um, the first reading from the Office of Readings today was um, from the first letter of St. Peter. And it's all about Christ being our hope and... Um, and I, I feel like this rule, it really is, it speaks to that to that reality and, and is a beautiful rule uh, to usher in the Easter season, really, is to focus on, or I'm sorry, rule eight, is to focus on, we always have hope. Like, Jesus is our hope and he has risen, you know, and uh, and we will be with him for all eternity. Right so beautiful and we just don't we just don't give enough of, of credence to that um, but we have to remember I'm going to leave you with a couple of 
beautiful quotes. Um, just one, actually. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila. Patience achieves everything. Right. And so that's very important to remember now, you know, and especially coming out of Lent, like we said, you know, that Lent was definitely endured with patience and endured with the hope of the resurrection. And I loved, um, we have at, at our parish, uh, Father Luis Salazar mm-hmm. and, um, his homily from Easter Sunday was beautiful. And one of the last things that he said was talking about the fact that, you know, if you are in Good Friday, like if you're in desolation, remember that the resurrection is coming. He you know? did say that. Wow. So good. Perfect. So God bless you. May you live the resurrection. May every day be Easter Sunday, especially within this octave of Easter. And we're praying for you. Pray for us. Pray for sweet Abigail. Yes. Our fourth baby. Hopefully we'll arrive soon. <laughs> Keep the faith and hope. Yes. Until next time, God bless. God bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.